It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's Greek for the week. That's right. It's the Greek for the week podcast. 20 minutes every single week, bringing you your favorite Greek for the weeks right here, only on podcast. You know, ever since we took to Instagram, people have said, are you going to have a podcast that expands these a little bit? And one year later, it's here. So tell your friends that like Greek for the week, hey, that guy that's on Instagram, he's now on podcast. And you know something? Do them a favor, take the link, copy it, and send it to them in a text message or through their DM on Facebook or Instagram or any social media site and say, download this guy's podcast. And I'm going to tell you something, it's going to make your commute to work or your chores around the house or even your workout at the gym a whole lot more enjoyable and educational. So with that, let's go ahead and get into the Word of God today and find out what God's Word says in the Greek. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verse number 5 and 6. And let me give you a little bit of background information before we exactly see what the Scripture says. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church, and he's giving to them fundamental rules for Christian living. These people had recently gotten born again, and now they're part of the Christian community. And being part of the Christian community, the Apostle Paul is telling them at this point how they're to deal with people who are not part of that community. That refers to people that don't know Christ and haven't named the name of Jesus the way that they had. It also refers to people who are not sanctified. They haven't been reborn by the Spirit and don't have the love of God living inside of their hearts. And more than that, they don't share the same worldview. Now, this is interesting because this is like us. Every day we go to work or go to the gym or go places and interact with people that don't quite see things the way we see them. Their minds haven't been renewed by the Word of God, and they share a whole different worldview than the one we share. And you know something? The Apostle Paul is going to show you that it's important that we take advantage of the time that we're with them. He says here, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. And the way that we're supposed to do that is found in verse number 6, where the Apostle Paul here says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you might know how you ought to answer each person. Again, it says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now, I want to go ahead and look at this word in the Greek because it's very interesting. The here we see, seasoned with salt, in the Greek, actually says, haliti ertomenos, or it should be that we have tasty speech. Now, this was an idiom that was used in ancient Greek times, especially by one of the first century essayists at the time, a man known as Plutarch. And Plutarch said that wit, or the element of being able to be quick about the way that you think and interject those thoughts into your speech, is the tastiest condiment of all. Means that it's pleasant to be around people that know how to think quick on their feet, or know how to use conversation as a way to engage people in the way they think. So it's talking about here being an engaging conversationalist. Now that's interesting, that God's Word is putting a high premium on Christians being interesting conversationalists with people that are non-Christians. Now have you ever met somebody before who just by and large is a phenomenal conversationalist. I don't mean that they just blab and they, they just gab and go on and on and on and on, and it causes your ears to bleed. 
because you have to listen to what they have to say. But I'm talking about someone that when they start speaking, your ears go up, you begin to listen, you start grabbing a hold of the things that they say, and really, it's as wonderful as opening up the door on a spring day and allowing the breeze to come in because everything they say is just so downright refreshing that it causes you to be engaged and stimulated in a way that makes the time go by fast when they speak. That's being a good conversationalist. Now compare that to somebody who, in everything they say, is canned. It's almost like it's been rehearsed or they're repeating somebody. Another way to say it is that it's robotic. It's like talking to a computer or, you know, it's like calling into some place and getting the machine and the machine talks to you and tells you to press one or press two. How boring to have somebody that's always got canned answers and the same response for everything. And God's word is shying us away from being that way because the Lord has given to each and every one of us a brain. Now, you might be out there and say, well, Chris, you know, I'm an introvert and I, you know, I just, I don't have the gift of conversation. Well, you can still be interesting. I've been around introverts before, and even though they don't talk a lot, when they do talk, it's very profound the things that they have to say. You don't have to talk a lot to be a good conversationalist. Actually, what makes a good conversationalist a good conversationalist is that they're informed and that they're up to date and they're people who own the things that they thought because they're products of lots of hours of reflection and thinking and meditation. And as a Christian, there's somebody that has taken current events and what's going on in the world, they've internalized them against the Word of God, and when they speak, they have a compound of current events mixed with the Word of God that when they speak them, it's really engaging and brings to them or other people or the people that are listening a brand new perspective. So one of the best ways to be a good conversationalist is to be somebody that's informed. You know, I remember my pastor told me when I was just a young man, he said, you know, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, you also have to read secular things that are going on in the news. You need to know what's going on. And he told me that I should make a habit of picking up the news and reading the newspaper on a regular basis picking up magazines and reading the articles and the editorial sections to find out what is being talked about in the world and having a scope of knowledge so that when someone says to me, Chris, what do you think about the wildfires that are happening in California? What do you think's the cause of all the school shootings? Why do we have so many shootings today in our American school system? What do you think about what just happened in the election, in the midterm elections? What do you think about our president? What are your thoughts on immigration? What do you feel about the Brazil election that just took place? When people ask me these questions, I want to not just say, well, you know, I don't really follow the news, or, you know, glory to God, praise the Lord, and give them a church response. I want to be able to take what I know and apply it using the Word of God in a way that's philosophical, in a way that's spiritual, in a way that causes people to think. Now, when... The scripture says here that we're supposed to have our speech being seasoned with salt and being a good conversationalist. It's implying a few things, and that is when we talk this way and we're good conversationalists, that we're able to interact with people who are non-Christians in a way that is natural. 
in a way that's engaging and in a way that is not fearful or on the defensive. You know, so many times people who have a set belief, the moment they're approached by somebody that doesn't see it exactly the same way, those people go on the defensive and they get upset and they blow up. And you know what happens? They lose the moment that the opportunity has presented them because they felt threatened. And people that feel threatened in what they believe, I often have the opinion, are those that aren't sure exactly how to articulate it or aren't founded exactly upon a rock that says, I know exactly what I believe. I'm confident that what I believe is the truth. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I tell people they should study the Word of God in the Greek, because the Greek is going to cause you to look at the Word of God in such a deep way that when you arrive at your outcome, you've already thought about it, you know what it, it means in light of all the other possible interpretations, and because you've done the work, you can be confident that your conclusion is correct. And you know something? When you take time to reflect about what's going on in the world, through the Word of God, and you internalize these things, when you present an answer, you won't feel threatened because you'll be confident in what you believe and you'll know what you hold is actually the truth. And you know something? When you don't play the defensive and you're confident in what you say and you act calm and together and you can hold your own in a conversation, it's really attractive to the world. And, then, <clears throat> and just because of your demeanor, it's possible they'll look into what you have to say and they may come around because you know in that what you have believed. You know something? I remember a long time ago, maybe not too long ago, five, six, seven years, I was on an airplane and I was reading a book and in came somebody and sat down next to me, someone in particular that I didn't expect to have a conversation with. And you know, right off the bat, we began to talk about politics and their political view was as far as night and day is from the way I look at political things. And their opinions on the issues were totally different from my opinions on the issues. And nobody was talking on this airplane ride except the two of us. And the whole entire airplane could hear what we had to say. But you know something? I had taken time prior to this conversation, years and years of looking at things, to know why it is that I believe that abortion should be illegal and that life begins at conception. And that's the first thing we began to talk about. And they told me flat out that they rejected the Bible and they didn't want to hear scriptures of what God's word had to say because even if I gave to them those scriptures, they weren't going to believe them as truth. So what I had to do was rely on what I knew from basic logic and had to be able to defend what I believed and not be able to use scripture, which means that I had to be informed from other things. And you know something? We got into a very engaging conversation, and I was able to make that person think so much that they asked for my email. And after that, they began to send to me emails almost every single day of articles they read from the New York Times, articles they read from the New Yorker about this political issue and that political issue. And there became an exchange, but the most important thing is this person was very interested in what I had to say, and they wanted to know my thoughts on the issues. And so this was part of being 
a good conversation list. And yet, during this whole time, I hadn't quoted to them one scripture yet. I hadn't even gotten to the Bible. And you know something? Sometimes, being a good conversationalist with somebody, you get to the Bible later on. You just have to make room and them get to know your thoughts a little bit and get comfortable talking to you and be able to trust your processes of thinking and trust your logic and trust your reasoning before you ever get to the Word of God to find out what's behind how you think. And you know something? If that person thinks that you're a good thinker or that you're a brilliant thinker, then they may open up to God's Word because that's what you have as your foundation. Well, I remember we decided to meet one afternoon for lunch and have a discussion and chit-chat a little bit. And they said to me, so you're a Christian. I said, I am. Now they want to talk about the scripture. They said to me, so do you believe in sex before marriage? I says, no. They said, so you don't believe that? I says, I don't believe that because God's word teaches that that's what we shouldn't do. And they says, well, sex before marriage, if two people do that, it's not hurting anybody. I said, well, it might look like it's not hurting anybody, but what if it's not just two people that do that? If you look at it, it's the whole world that does that. And if you have millions and hundreds of millions and billions of people that are doing that, it's eventually going to cause certain types of problems. Look at the STDs that go around because of, of uh, careless sex and sex outside of marriage. And look at all the unwanted pregnancies that have taken place and thereby look at all the different abortions that have taken place. And I said, you know, when people go out uh, and participate in sex before marriage, there's no commitment that's involved. And as a result of that, they are really not giving to one another, but taking from one another. And because of that selfishness, there's so many problems. And I said, and you know something? That's why I serve Jesus. Because mankind's biggest problem is himself and the sin that he lives in. And Jesus came to save us from ourselves and save us from our selfishness that is a result of sin. And because of that, he set me free. And now my desire is to walk in love towards people and not seek to take anything for them for my own benefit, but seek to give and seek to serve. And isn't that what life is all about? And you know something? That person had to really stop and think because their whole entire political persuasion was about doing what's best for other people. And when I suggested to them that sex before marriage is not doing what's best for another person, they had to really think about it. And they gave a second thought to the Word of God. And you know something? I say all that to say that it wouldn't have been possible to come up and speak that way if it hadn't been for studying and going and looking at what thinkers had to say, Christian philosophers and Christian idealists and different people's opinions and getting acquainted with them and internalizing them and making that my own. So God's Word's telling us very clearly that one of the fundamental ways of walking out our Christian life is to have good conversation skills. And when those conversations come up and God's Word says that they're going to come up in verse number five, that we're supposed to take advantage of those. So one thing that you can think about this week for reflection is, how are your conversation skills? When you get involved with people that are in the world and you get involved into these conversations, do you feel threatened a little bit? Do you get fearful to have these discussions? Do you think that right off the bat that someone's gonna beat you or that you're not gonna be able to take them on and hold your own? Or do you have a naturalness about you? Do you have a confidence in your belief system? 
Do you have a coolness about you, a suaveness? Are you able to use charm and are you able to use kindness to get your point across? And even when that person is making their point, are you always in a, a mode to interrupt or are you confident enough to let that person make their point and listen to what they have to say without trying to think about what to say? That's part about being a good conversationalist and having your speech seasoned with salt. Now, it takes time, and I can definitely tell you it takes study. It takes a variety of reading and keeping up with things. But look at every time you pick up a book to study, you're investing in your conversation skills. Every time you read a news article, you're investing in having the ability to hold your own in a conversation. And when you can do something like that, I can tell you, conversations are going to present themselves and you can use what you read and mix it with the Word of God to give people a new perspective on that thing. Don't you want to be someone that's refreshing when you speak, that you have a new perspective for things? I can tell you that as Christians, we're supposed to be those people that walk around with good conversation and provide the salt of the earth. And one of the ways that we're the salt of the earth is through our speech. You might be the only one in your office that speaks a certain way. You might be the only one that has the right ideas about something. And so don't be afraid to share them. And when you do, don't feel threatened and be natural about it. Because after all, being a good conversationalist, having your speech seasoned with salt is one of the best ways that you can represent Christ and is the way that you walk in wisdom towards people that don't know Christ the way they do. Your conversation is a mighty asset. Make sure that you invest in it. God bless you, friend. Make sure you tell someone about our podcast. Send them the link. Send them our way to Greek for the Week. And we pray that it continues to be a blessing towards you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.